Good morning. <laughs> who's enjoyed 12 to 14 this year? I said, who's enjoyed 12 to 14 this year? <laughs> we have had a fantastic week. This is our last thing we're doing together. Can you believe it? It's 12 to 14s. It's devastating, I know. Um, who's excited about going home tomorrow and sleeping in a bed? Who's not showered this week? Keep your arms down. We don't want that smell coming. The waft of your armpits coming. We're doing things a little bit differently this year uh, in our 12 to 14 boys seminar. Just a little bit. We're basically just going to go straight into Q&A. So thank you to those of you that have sent your questions in. If you still want to ask questions, you can text them in whether we'll answer them or not. Who knows? We'll see where the wind takes us. Um, this is my boy band here. We look a bit like a boy band. Yeah, exactly. We need to break it down. Start singing. Mark's an amazing singer over in the corner there. So feel free to ask him to sing to you later. He would happily do it. <laughs> um, before we go into the q and I just want to kind of go down and just introduce everyone so that you know who we are and what we're doing. So my name's Martin. Uh, I am based in Canterbury. I'm an elder at the church uh, in Canterbury. Anyone from Canterbury here? Yeah, two people. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm there. And uh, I thought I'd share a fun fact with you. So um, I actually once killed a hamster. I feel like I need to explain that story because otherwise it just sound like some kind of monster and the hamster lovers in the room will be like, what? So when I was younger, my parents used to work uh, and so I had to go to the childminders before and after school. And uh, one day after school, I was probably about 10, I ran into my friend's garden and there was a football uh, in the garden. So I was like, yes, I love football. So I ran and I <laughs> smashed this football, kicked it as hard as I possibly could. And I was like, ah, that really hurt. And it was the plastic hamster ball. And it flew across the garden, smashed into this wall. And I just ran back inside really quickly because no one else was in the garden at the time. And I uh, ran back in the house, acted all cool. And then later we went in the garden and my friend found his hamster and he was dead. And he was like, oh no. Jimmy's died. And I was like, oh, no, he must have died of natural causes. Even to this day, they do not know I killed their hamster. So there you go. Fun fact. Who's next? Why did he call his hamster Jimmy? I don't know. I just made up the name. Such a I couldn't cool remember what his name was. Um, amazing. Uh, my name's Doug. Um, I've been in 12 to 14s all week. I'm here from CCK in Brighton. And um, I am a, a deputy housemaster at a boarding school um, the rest of the year. Um, I l- I've lived in Brighton about 10 years now. Uh, fun fact is I think I've, I'm currently, I've visited about 18 different countries so far and counting. But yeah, I love traveling and uh, yeah, a little something about me. Hey, how you doing? I'm Dub, not to be confused with Doug. Uh, I'm from the Coin Church in Woking. Um, Yes, good to hear both of you over there. Uh, my fun fact is I once, yeah, I once paid someone to drink my sick. And when they then sicked it back up into a cup, I paid someone else to drink it. There's my fun fact. That's not great, is it? Everyone's like, I'm doing that when I get home. Hi everyone, I'm Jono. I'm from CCK in Brighton as well. And uh, me and my wife have been helping lead a seminar in here. This is what you came for. It's been a great week. And um, my fun fact, uh, I've had Sunday roast round Rowan Atkinson's house, a.k.a. Mr. Bean. That is awesome. If you want to know more about that, then come and ask me at the end. That's my fun fact. (laughs) I don't think I will. My name's Mark. I'm from Canterbury. Um, I'm... I'm a husband, I'm a dad of three children, I'm a West Ham fan, 
100%, 100% unbeaten record at home. 100%. Um, uh, I'm, I've had one game. Uh, I'm a police officer, um, and I've been cooking this week for the youth from our church, and nobody's died yet. Nobody's died. Oh, and a fun fact, fun fact. Um, I once flew in the Queen's helicopter, and uh, I had one of her humbugs, and I also had a little chuff on her seat. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, amazing. Um, so we are going to be answering some questions this morning. Some have been coming in um, just yesterday because obviously we had some issues with the number. Uh, but you guys have been sending in some great questions. Uh, but Martin just is going to deal with some of the uh, some of them just really quickly. We're going to give him thirty seconds, and uh, I'm going to take the hard. Yeah. Questions. So these are some these of the toughies, the easy ones. Uh, we can see that some of the questions are still coming in now. Uh, but just to encourage Martin, I wondered if we could just um, start with a little clap. Okay, so this is... Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. No, no, not like that. I'm after a Come specific on. clap. Yeah, so this on. is more of a uh, follow me and um, <laughs> we're going to clap together just to encourage Martin. It would have worked in the it big top. I said it would have worked. We were like, oh, we're not sure it's going to work. We, we should have done it. This morning. We were like, okay. it would be so embarrassing if we go So there, 30 no seconds for Martin to answer okay. some of the big questions. I'm ready. Okay, so. I've opened it up to Habakkuk. Habakkuk's ready. Okay. <laughs> when did the first New Day start? 2004. How do you write a worship song? Word by word. Does a beard make you a better Christian? Yes. How many pegs can Obadiah and Jebediah Springfield get on Joe McNamara whilst he's preaching without him noticing? 7,691. Why can't the band and preachers in the big top in the evening meeting finish on time? Because I can't tell the time. How many bears would Bear Grylls grill if Bear Grylls could bear grill bears? 37. Is it possible to make a living from a paper round? No. What colour pants do I have on? Pink. How many, e- how many ice creams sorry, can I eat? Six million. Where did Stephen's dignity go? He never had any. Who is your least favourite 12 to 14s team member? Doug. How does Stephen get his head to look like Bruto? How does Stephen get his head to look like Jimmy Neutron? Brill cream. How does Doug look that good in the morning? A miracle. Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? No. How, how often should a boy shower at New Day? Never. Would you, would you rather put a toothpick under your toenail and kick a wall or jump into a pool filled with lemon juice with a thousand paper cuts? A toothpick under the toe. Neither are good, are they? Would you rather have crying toes or screaming fingers? Crying toes. And finally, which Pokemon is your favourite? Steve Chew. Okay, so that is... Thank you! Tough. That yeah. was... Uh, some of the tougher some, questions. Some of the, yeah. I took the hard ones. So this these morning guys, out the way, Martin took the hit. These guys on. have got the easy questions, so you can just relax. Um, I'm going to read some of the questions out that we've we've had. So first one, easy question: What does the Bible say about masturbation? <laughs> Stunned silence in the room. <laughs> That's actually a question. It's a fun one to start with. Um, I would say the Bible doesn't specifically mention the word masturbation. Um, it's okay to, for you to laugh at that word. It doesn't specifically mention the word, but it does talk a lot about uh, the things that we look at and the things that we do. And there's a verse in Corinthians that says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And it, I guess the question we ask ourselves, is that something that we can do to the glory of God? Uh, most probably not. Um, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> and um, Jesus actually talks a lot about... Um, 
where our hearts are at. So I guess when it comes to masturbation, it's not the actual act of masturbation that we're looking at, but it's the thoughts and the process that we go through before uh, going to that place. And um, yeah, it's just it's just really important that when, when we're looking at things and when we're thinking about things, that in terms of masturbation, that it's, it's, the, it's the lustful thoughts and it's the things that we're looking at that are the issue here. And... Um, there's this guilty feeling that often comes uh, following masturbation, it's, and it's not actually the act that the guilt should come from, but it's more the things that we're looking at and the things that we're doing. Because Jesus talks about um, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery in his heart. And actually, when we, uh, when we maybe look at an image or we think about something, it's actually really difficult for us to say that we haven't uh, looked at that in the wrong way. So I would say that does it, what does it say about masturbation? I would say it doesn't specifically say the word masturbation. But actually, it's about what we're looking at in terms of getting there. And Jesus says that we shouldn't be looking at things that cause us to lust in our heart. Great. I'd, I'd just add as well, I think for most of us, uh, if you do struggle with this, it's probably, it's, you're probably looking at things as well, pornography on the internet or, um, I don't know, pictures. I would just say that things that you look at, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. And actually you live with those images and they will come back. And actually the Bible tells us that we have an enemy who likes to throw accusation at us constantly. And so those things that you've looked at, those videos that you've watched, you will be remembering. I mean, I struggled with masturbation for quite a few years in my teenage years. And there are still, I think I still struggle with images that I looked at when I was a 14-year-old that will just pop back into my head at times and I've got to really take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus and say I'm not I'm not thinking about that I'm, I want to love Jesus I want to love my wife I want to honor and 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 live for him and so I would say masturbation as as Jono was saying actually isn't the ultimate issue it's more the stuff around it it's your thought processing it's the things that you're looking at and I promise you once you've seen it you can't unsee it and it, it does go so our encouragement to you would be don't do it um, but actually if we just left it like that Let's face it, we'd all struggle. And so the good news is actually it's not about kind of self-will. It's not about kind of being the strongest person not doing it. It's about encountering the grace of God and actually Jesus being more appealing to us than those things. And that is how we'll overcome it, okay? Thank you. One clap. (laughs) Uh, Okay, next question. I want to play football, but it's on Sunday. What should I do? Uh, This is a great question. I mean, when I was uh, your age, I I loved football and I was good at football. And um, up, I think at the age of 12 or 13, the only football teams you could play for were ones that played on Sunday. So it is an interesting question. I think the first thing I would say is um, Jesus doesn't put a a heavy rule on you to go to church. Um, Let me just tell you um, about my story and just what what happened. Um, me and my dad used to have loads of arguments about football because I just wanted to play. In the end, he said, I'll tell you what, if you play football on Sunday morning, if you come to church, I'll drive you to a different town uh, Sunday evening to take you to this evening service that's on. Um, which, to be honest, I think you'd probably all agree, that's actually a great solution. He was ever so kind to, do, to offer that. And I still refused. The issue for me actually wasn't, um, I want to play football, you're not letting me. The, the issue for me was, at your age, was um, about going to church. So I think the, the challenge really is, where's your heart at? I think looking back, um, I, I became a Christian a little bit later on, but 
the issue for me was just not wanting to go to church. The, the thing is, when you, when you go to church, it's just the best opportunity to hear the Bible preached, to be with other Christians, um, and to worship God. I think, realistically, outside of church, there's not a better opportunity to worship Jesus than in church. Uh, and so, yeah, we used to have big arguments about that. But I look back and I think, he, he, he offered me a great solution. So Jesus doesn't want to put a heavy rule on you. But what he wants is the best for you. And actually, what I've realized is the best for me is to put Jesus first. So the challenge is, how can you do that whilst still playing football? Um, And we were talking earlier on, football is something that uh, God gifted me in. I was good at it. And he didn't want to gift me in it to then just make it a frustration in in terms of, oh, you can never play. So the challenge is, how can you do both whilst still loving Jesus and making him number one? That's a great answer. Um, Football's great. Amen. Amen. Just make that clear. God loves football. We love football. It's great. And um, just share a bit of my story as well. Um, Similar to Dub, played a lot of football when I was younger. Um, Signed for a a team called Brighton Hove Albion as sort of a a youngster and kind of just spent, spent my younger years doing that. And actually, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian family. And uh, around the age of 12 was sort of that time when the sort of the professional clubs came looking and said, you know, we, we want to offer you a contract. And at, at, um, at the age of 12, uh, the, a lot of you are uh, 12, that was just like gold. You know, this is amazing. A, a massive opportunity for me. I want to be like those guys on the telly. And my story is that um, I took those, those contracts and uh, sort of just through my teenage years just pursued the dream of becoming a professional footballer. And what I actually found was that as I was pursuing that dream, we'd be travelling up and down the country playing different teams on a Sunday morning. I found that I was actually just slowly drifting away from church. I wasn't going to church on a Sunday morning. We, the church I went to didn't have a Sunday evening service. And the, the most important thing when I look back, I didn't, become a, I didn't give my life fully to Jesus till I was age 22. And I would say it was mainly because I chased this goal of becoming a footballer. And I had some great experiences. My greatest was probably I played against Arsenal, and that was fantastic. Um, but I, I just want to say that doesn't actually satisfy. And that through my, through my experiences, I was chasing after this goal. I want to become a footballer. I want to do some amazing stuff. I just found I was slowly drifting away from God until I didn't realize it anymore, until I never thought about God. And the main thing was I was not surrounded by people who love God. I was surrounded by people who loved football. Now, that's not a bad thing, but I love now being surrounded by people who love God and love football, right? And once you've got a good mix of the two, then that's when you go places. So I started to slowly drift away, and I found actually that I stopped following Jesus. I didn't care about Jesus. And it took me 10 years to actually realize, wow, I have drifted so, so far away, and now I want to give my life back to Christ. And I'll say to you, don't, just don't waste those time. Put Jesus first, as Dub said. That's the most important thing. Great. Thanks, John and Dab. Uh, okay, <clears throat> next one. If God is real, why are there kids dying in Africa every day? Well, that's a tough question, isn't it? Why does God allow suffering and uh, why are kids dying in Africa? Me and my son were in Africa early in, earlier on in the year and we were in the slums 
and we saw a load of suffering and it really brings that question home so we knew the kids names the stuff you see on comic relief we then knew these kids names and we knew their life stories and it certainly um, caused me to ask that question a number of times but another thing that happened while I stood in the slums I could see across into the centre of the city in Kampala and there were high-rise buildings and Mercedes driving around and I guess one of the answers to that is that actually we allow suffering. It's human nature that allows suffering. There's plenty to go around in terms of resources, but they're focused in specific areas, and some are poor and some are rich. So often God gets the blame for suffering, and actually it's probably more about our response to suffering. And whoever's asked that question, I think it's a great question to, to be asking in terms of your heart and you know not allowing suffering and wanting to do something about it. And I think the other thing is we often talk about why does God allow suffering in Africa? Well, in my job, I told you I was a police officer, I see suffering all the time. And most of that is people causing suffering to other people because of the sin in their heart. And actually, we know, don't we, that there's an ultimate answer to suffering. I saw really sick kids when we were in Africa worshipping their hearts out at this Christian school in the slums. The reason they were worshipping their hearts out is because they saw suffering all around them. They'd lost family members, but actually they probably saw far more clearly than we sometimes see in the West how much they were dependent on God and on his ultimate answer, which is there's a life after this one. So I don't really fully understand why God allows suffering, but I think within the suffering there's a bit of a clue sometimes to ask what is actually going on here and is it actually the sin in the world and sin in, the, in our hearts? And the answer ultimately was on the cross when Jesus died and made a way. And just um, if you're someone who is just really bothered about suffering in the world, I'll tell you one reason you might be bothered is because God might well have just put that in you that you're going, that's just not right. And it's, it's amazing what a Christian who's got God's love in them and, a, and a, a passion and a mission for something, it's amazing what they can do. If you're bothered about suffering, it may be God wants to prepare you to be one of the solutions to help people in different ways. I think it's really worth thinking that through. That's an amazing opportunity. Brilliant. That's really good. Um, next one. If we f- uh, what, what should we do if we feel like we can't really interact with God in the meeting? So in terms of if, if we're in the, in the big top, or if we're in Todd's 14s, or if we're just at church on a Sunday morning, what if we're struggling to interact with God? What if our friends around us all seem to be kind of encountering God, but we're not? Kind of what do we do about that? Yeah, I, um, I think when I was your age, I used to see other people who look like they're, they're being filled with God, they're having incredible encounters, and I felt second rate compared to that. Um, and what, what I realized later on was it's not all about that one moment. Um, What's important in life, and it's the incredible, unique thing about being a Christian, is you can know God in your life. You can know him every day. You can know him when you wake up. You can know him as you go about your day. And the important thing with encountering the Holy Spirit is just having him with you, having him being your guide, having him helping you make decisions, having him sort of lead you in what you're doing. So that's, that's the most important thing, that you encounter God throughout what you're doing. That said... There is also something special, too, about those individual moments. So I've had, um, I've had some moments where I've just been sort of overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And actually, they're really, really precious moments, too. They're not what it's all about, but actually they can be really inspiring. He can fill you up. He can help you with what's going on in your life. So it's good to be open to those moments. But the bigger picture is the Holy Spirit wants to be with you all the way through your life. I think one of our biggest challenges in our kind of lives is the challenge of comparison. 
We always compare ourselves to the person to our right, to our left. We compare ourselves to our mates. We com- and we do that during worship, don't we, in terms of we look at the people next to us and we think, oh, they're, they're worshipping like this. They're meeting God like this. Why am I not? Um, and I think when you read the Bible, actually, being a Christian isn't about, you know, electric moments where God meets you. Those do happen and they are wonderful, but that's not what being a Christian is about. Being a Christian is about daily walking and following Jesus Christ. And the Bible talks about actually that there is something called fruit of repentance, this idea of when you become a Christian, there will be fruit that shows that. So for example, you might have been a really angry, angry person and you become a Christian and suddenly you're not as angry. Or you might have been a really anxious person really worried about everything. You become a Christian, suddenly you're much more peaceful. Or, I don't know, your language might have been kind of, you know, really bad, and you become a Christian, and it starts to change. It's all of these different things, and that's what the Bible talks about. It's like fruit that comes as you live with Jesus, as you follow him, as you, you give your life to him, he changes things. And so actually, Christianity isn't about once a year being at New Day and having a moment where you shake and fall over, or, you know, you're able to raise your hands or not. It's about daily following Jesus and learning more about him and living in that and seeing fruit in your life. So my massive encouragement to you would be, don't get caught up in the one-off moments. Don't judge your, your relationship with Jesus based on how you have felt him because actually the Bible doesn't really talk about emotions too much either in terms of like being a Christian means that you're going to feel warm and fuzzy or that you're going to be happy it talks about actually there is a depth that comes into our lives and that fruit starts to show some of that fruit is joy some of that fruit is patience is kindness is goodness is self-control but it's also a change in our character and how we operate and so that's what we should be um, striving for and wanting to see in our lives rather than oh I had the biggest moment of being filled with the spirit or whatever it is more about how we are as as men as we grow up and as we follow jesus that we're those that love him okay uh next one what does the bible say about cussing which i think means swearing um i watched the fantastic mr fox film and in that he always says cuss when actually he would have said a swear word if it was an older rating so i'm assuming cussing means swearing uh so Anyone want to take that? Yeah, great. Um, I think the, the Bible speaks quite specifically about swearing. It says um, in Ephesians 4.29, it says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but that is, the, is for good for encouraging others. So actually, rather than maybe uh, swearing or cussing, that we should be looking at encouraging others. And I think that's a really important thing for us to do. I think my story is that uh, when I became a Christian, swearing was a real issue for me. And it was something that I just, um, I found a real struggle to stop doing. I just wanted to read something from the book of James. It says this, it says, it's talking about our mouths here and the way we talk. It says, with our mouth, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And what it's, what it's saying there really is that actually we, we can be in the meeting in there and we can be praising God, saying how great he is, how much he's, he's done for us, how much we love him. And then the next moment we can be out on the dodgems and we can be swearing at someone. The, book, the Bible's saying there that, you know, the two and two don't really go together. And my experience has been is that the more that I've got to know Jesus, the more I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and got to know the love of God, actually swearing has just not, it's no longer been an issue for me. And uh, I think when I first became a Christian, I tried really hard. I mustn't swear. I mustn't swear. And every so often one would sort of slip out. And I sort of felt really condemned about that. Just my journey has been the more I've got to know God, the more I've got to actually speak, the, speak his love to people and just found that swearing has not been an issue. So, yeah, the Bible says that swearing is a sin and it is wrong. But actually, the more we get to know Jesus, the more that we speak about him. Great. Brilliant. Um, how long does God take to answer our questions and prayers? I'll just take that one. Um, yeah, I've, 
Um, it can be a huge variety of answers to that. And some prayers we've seen this week um, have been answered instantly. Um, some of uh, the headline prayers that I can think of over the last few years for me, some of those I've waited uh, a decade um, for them to be answered. So 10 years, some of those have taken. And um, I, a couple of years ago, my wife and I wrote uh, an impossible list, um, which was things that we just thought, actually, this, these would be ridiculous if these uh, happened. So we had a member of our family who couldn't have kids um, at all. And, uh, and my dad uh, walked away from God at a young age and uh, cheated on my mom and did all sorts of uh, crazy uh, things. And, um, and I really was just seeking God for years and years that he would uh, come back uh, to God that he would uh, and that my mum and dad's marriage would be restored and um, last year both of those things uh, happened um, in the same year and um, that was just pursuing uh, God just faithfully uh, banging on the door over and over again just saying God look this I want this sorted I'm going to keep praying and keep praying and keep and I would still be praying if it hadn't happened um, but it, it did last year and that it, there were definitely times that's why I was on the impossible list because I just thought this is ridiculous. These are he is so far uh, from God. Um, but it was a great moment when I kind of visited him last year, and um, I thought I'd got up early to read my Bible and pray. And I looked down the balcony. My dad was just sitting in the corner, uh, doing having his own kind of uh, time with God with his Bible open, and he'd got he was there before I was, and I just was stopped at the door, just thinking this. Is, this is just unbelievable. Uh, so I'd encourage you, if there are, to, an impossible list was such a helpful uh, thing for us to do. Like if you've got um, like a notebook at home or a fridge or somewhere in your room, like a notice board, um, it was just I had it up there. And that every day or every time I went to pray, it was just there as a reminder look, to keep asking God big things. God cares about the tiny uh, details in your life, um, but he also cares about the huge uh, God-shaped things that only he can uh, deal with. So keep pursuing him would be my advice. Brilliant. Uh, okay, we're, we're going to go for a few more minutes, so uh, keep, stick with us. Don't, don't fall asleep. Uh, next question, how far is too far with girls? Um, I think I want to take this one if that's all right. Um, let me start by saying this. I think you're asking the wrong question. Um, for me, I would, I would flip that and say, how far do you need to go? Rather than how far is too far? Because what you do is, if you're setting the line, it's like, you know, like those kind of, if you go to the, the beach and you walk on the top by the cliff, and it's like, don't go near the edge of the cliff. If you set your line right at the edge of the cliff, the issue is if you go past that line, you've fallen off the cliff, right? You're in trouble. Whereas if you've set it further back, then you're in a safer place as you, you know, when you do m- make mistakes. So my first... Uh, thing would be you're asking the wrong question you're trying to see how far can you go uh, which I don't think is the right heart I want to go back though in terms of if you are a 12 to 14 year old in in this room which is most of us um, my advice and my kind of wisdom would be I'm not sure it's the wisest thing to get into relationships with girls at the age that you're at um, the Bible isn't doesn't really talk much about dating because dating didn't really exist at that time. They got married quite young. They were often kind of, you know, set up or whatever, and it would often be within family, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a different cultural challenge for us. But the heart is still very key in that I think relationships are about a commitment and a, and a choice. And when you get married, it's a covenant. You're saying, I choose to love you. I'm, I'm choosing not to love other people. I'm choosing to love you. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to give myself to loving you. That's what marriage is. And I think dating is the beginning of that. And so for me, I think at the age of 12 to 14, you can't make 
that choice. You can't. You don't even know yourself well enough. If I'm totally honest with you, I think you only learn really who you are until you hit your twenties, in a sense, in the journey that you're on. So my encouragement to you would be think about that. Second thing is the Bible says this about our relationship with with the girls, especially girls within the church, that we are brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible says. So asking the question, how far can I go with my sister, feels somewhat weird, doesn't it? In terms of who's got a sister in the room. Yeah, you wouldn't be asking that question, would you? About how far can I go with my sister? That is the mentality we should have with our sisters in Christ. We should be living to honour them. We should go out of our way to make them feel like they are the most loved, most cared for, most precious girls in the eyes of God. Too many girls are scarred and hindered in their walk with God because of stupid boys that do stupid things. And so we need to make sure we are honouring them. Listen, another thing is this. One day, God willing, you may get married. Now, think about this. Think about you're about to marry someone. She's the most beautiful girl you've met. You guys have been, you know, pure integrity in the way that you've walked. You're about to get married and you find out that she's actually dated someone earlier in her life and that that guy has been an idiot and treated her badly and he's been asking the question, how far can I go? And he's been pushing her harder and harder and harder. How would you feel if that's your wife, you're about to marry her and someone else has done that to her? You're not going to feel great. Think about this. How would you feel if you're the guy that's pushed her further and further but then you're not the one marrying her? It's a we should be striving to allow every girl in our church, and actually not just in our church, every girl that we come across, we should be striving to make sure that they feel like when they do get married, that they're able to stand there with absolute joy saying that God has protected me, that I'm being brought forward in honor to my husband rather than there's things in my life that I've had to walk through. I think lots of us have got stories of you know, silly decisions that we made when we we're younger and if we could turn back the clock, we really would and we would change those. And the idea that we have hindered someone's walk with God because of our foolishness, because of our silly decisions, I just really encourage you, don't, don't fall for the lie that you've got to have a girlfriend. Don't fall for the lie that you've got to push the boundaries as far as you can. Try to honor Jesus as best as you can and try to honor your sisters in Christ as best you can. And if we do that, then I am so excited about what the next generation will look like, what, how we will be able to change the, change the nation, change the nations, because that is so counterculture. But in order for us to do that, we've got to love Jesus first. We've got to be living for him, and then we'll have that impact. So my encouragement to you would be, don't ask how far can you go. Don't ask, can I touch that? Can I do that? Don't be going there. Just be thinking, you know, do I need to go that far, really? Is, you, know, I, you could start here and, and walk forward. Remember they're your sisters. Let's try and honor them and, and really put them first. that make sense? Good. All right, um, let's go to, does God like gay people? That's a great question. Does God like gay people? Um, I'd say, yeah, really, this one really close to home for me. My, um, uh, my brother's gay, and so I, God's really spoken to me so clearly. Um, about this and God I think if you're um, either struggling with this yourself if you think you're you might be gay or you know somebody's gay or uh, whatever it is like God loves you so much and I think that is would be the biggest uh, takeaway uh, if you're struggling about homosexuality and whether God likes you or not or whether uh, that means you can come before God Um, I think knowing um, that you are loved by him is the is the first starting point um, for that. That he loves you so much, and the, we were talking earlier in terms of um, all the stuff that we can get wrong that separates us from God and um, homosexuality and being gay is 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 something that will does kind of separate us from him and breaks that breaks down that relationship with God, um, like 
lots of other sin does or all sin does. Um, but it's important to know that wherever you're at with that, um, that God loves you so much that you are so precious to him. And actually, that is a great starting point, whether you want to talk that through with your youth leader um, or you want to even come and uh, I'm, I'd love to pray with people afterwards if that's something they're struggling with. Um, but knowing his love and knowing his faithfulness and drawing close to him and uh, like any other sin, asking him for help, um, looking to him for uh, your satisfaction and your joy and your identity is probably the best way to kind of uh, go about dealing with that and uh, approaching that as a, as a subject for you or for uh, the person close to you. Um, I don't know if you want to. You know, I think that's great. I think that uh, the the nation that we live in, and actually, the, I think the culture has kind of made it look as though within Christianity, homosexuality is like there's, it's like the worst sin. Before God, there there is no worse sin. They're all. Do you know what I mean it's like if you break one, you break all of them? And so actually, sin is sin, uh, and we all face the judgment for that. Jesus was died on the cross to deal with all sin. Uh, that's homosexuality included. That's, you know, lying. That's, that's everything. Jesus dealt with that. And so the first thing to say is, if you are a Christian and you're struggling with this, know that the Lord loves you. Uh, he is so for you. Uh, and he wants to, to help you on a journey. But I would say that there are consequences to sins. And they are different. So, for example, if you steal a Mars bar, that's a sin. The, you know, in Scripture, it's just about don't, don't steal. And that is a sin. But actually, the consequences of that would be different if you killed someone. Uh, there's consequences in our own lives and in, and in this time. And actually, homosexuality, there are consequences to homosexuality that you would have to walk through if you went down that, in terms of there would be uh, pastoral journeys that you would need to walk through. And so my encouragement to you would be, although before the eyes of God, there is no kind of, you know, he, he likes this type of person, but he doesn't like this type of person. That's not true. The Lord uh, cares for everyone. It says in the scriptures, there is the will of God that all men, that's all people would be saved. That's God's heart. He wants everyone to know him. That's why Jesus came, for God so loved the world that he sent his only some but there are consequences to our sins that we need to be aware of and there are consequences to homosexuality that we need, just need to we need to think through and consider so i totally agree with doug i think that you know he does it isn't like a kind of you know don't go around telling anyone actually that god hates them because that's not true but there are consequences for our sins before the lord that jesus has dealt with but then there are consequences in our lives that we've got to walk through and we've just got to be aware of that there's mess that comes because of sin there's mess that we've got to deal with there's mess for other people's lives that we have impacts on and we just got It's to the same mess that we were saying about getting involved with girls it's that same there are other there are knock on effects to all of these sins however far down the line you go with them whether it's the starting point or you go right to the edge of the cliff whatever that sin is the consequences in your relationship with God, they get more and more serious and deeper and deeper and harder to deal with. Um, as you grow up, you get older and you want that relationship to grow, you're putting more and more obstacles uh, in the way. So I think to talk about it now, um, going home, uh, talking about it, being honest with your youth leaders about how you're feeling. Um, those guys are there. They absolutely love you so much. And they want you guys, they want you to have those conversations so never be afraid and uh, yeah feel free to get in touch with us or your youth leaders especially back home and and talk that through brilliant okay last two questions uh, is it wrong to listen to more pop music than christian music so i think the answer to that question is what we're filling our heads up with and anyone that came to the extra that i was talking about the other day about putting on the armor of god we just need to be so aware that we're lied to all the time and when we're lied to all the time, if we don't realize we're being lied to all the time, we think we're not being lied to, and it's true. And the good thing about listening to Christian music, it fills our minds, it fills our spirit with truth 
and it causes us to raise our eyes up and look to God. There's nothing wrong with pop music. There's nothing wrong with popular music. It's good stuff. But when you're listening to it, be aware of what you're listening to. Sometimes just stop and think, actually, am I starting to believe these lies? Do I realize I'm being lied to? It's the same with the movies that you watch. It's the same with advertising. In between programs, when you're getting advertised at, and it's making you want things, and it's changing what your heart's going after. So per se, it's not wrong. But actually, it's so important that we make sure that we fill our minds up with truth and with good stuff so that we are aware when we're being lied to and we can combat it. And we can think, no, no, I know that's not true. I like that song, but I know it's preaching to me. It's preaching to me something that is other than what the truth of the word of God is. Great. Brilliant. Uh, Okay. And then last question. What does the Bible say about alcohol? It's a great question. And I um, see, let me tell you, one of the things I realized when I encountered Jesus is he has great plans for us. He has great adventures for us and he has good things for us in our life. Um, And so interestingly, the very first miracle Jesus did, he turned water into wine. So you could say Jesus is not against alcohol um, and Jesus was not against partying and enjoying yourself. I think probably the one way of answering this is if you're 12, 13 or 14, um, it's, it's a good thing to think about for the future. What's God going to say when I'm turn 18 and I start thinking about drinking? It's uh, something I'd suggest is not something for you right now. Um, but yeah, it's, al- alcohol is fine. Um, but it's, it's like a lot of things in life. If done in the right way and in moderation, it's okay. Um, the, the danger is with lots of things is when they become too important or when you go too far with them. So the Bible says, don't get drunk on alcohol, which is quite clear, isn't it? I think we all know what that means. It means don't get drunk on alcohol. It says instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that basically is saying is um, alcohol, all right, that's, that's okay, but there's something better. And the best thing in life is knowing God and knowing his spirit in you. And the full version of that is don't be filled with, uh, don't be drunk on alcohol, which is debauchery, which is sin, which causes damage, which is harmful, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has got great plans for you. You getting hammered uh, is not one of them because it will lead to problems. And Mark was going to talk about some of the issues with that. So in the first two years of being a police officer, I didn't arrest one single sober person. Everyone I arrested for the first two years, um, it was linked to alcohol. And so it's really dangerous stuff, alcohol. So it's not that God doesn't want us to have fun. It's actually the dangers of it. He's warning us. He's putting out you know, a bit of a red flag. Be careful, be careful. And actually that, you know, car accidents that I went to and just the devastation that I saw excess alcohol cause in people's lives is just a really good warning to be careful that this is God looking after us. We've got a father that cares for us, like a father saying to a son, be careful. I want you to be careful and to be wise so that you don't get yourself into trouble. And I think that's another aspect. I've seen huge devastation. I've seen marriages break up. I've seen people injured that have got lifetime injuries as a result of just drinking too much and being stupid. So I think the answer to that is our father loves us, wants the best for us. So we've got to be really careful with that. I don't think if alcohol was discovered now, it would be legalized. It causes that much damage. Great. We just got one uh, one final really important question. It just got text through actually that I feel like it would be 
Yeah, I feel, I feel like we all need to kind of comment on because obviously we've gone so deep. We've clearly impacted many of the young people that felt like they need to send in more questions. So the final question that just came through, literally, as we were just answering that in detail question and kind of, you know, proclaiming scripture, is uh, do you like chicken? So can we just go down the line and just very quickly feel like this will really minister to someone? So I've put a lot of thought into this yeah, over yeah, a long yeah. time. I love chicken. Great, okay. Do you have any biblical grounding for that or...? Absolutely none whatsoever, <laughs> but I do love chicken. Well, you're going to be able to whip one out. <laughs> as long as it's Nando's chicken, then yes. Or KFC. I love chicken too. Such actually caught me a bit off guard, really. Um, uh, I wish this had come in yesterday because I've had more time to think to about pray it. pray for you. See if you can. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of stuffing, I think, actually. <laughs> But yeah, do you like chicken? I've decided, yeah, I like chicken. We're just, <laughs> I, I like don't. chicken too. There you we'll go. go I hope we've served you well. <laughs> I'd love it. Before you leave, I, I'm going to announce the winning number of the ticket in a minute. But I'd love us just to stand together. I want to just pray over us. Um, so stand your feet. Don't talk to your mates. Just stand up nice and quiet. Shh. I am... Um, Guys, can I just have your attention for li- literally two more minutes and then you can chat till your heart is content. Um, I am convinced that Jesus wants his church to be full of men of integrity, men of honor. I am convinced that Jesus wants the church to be filled with men that love Jesus more than they love anything else. Men that are risk takers, men that are adventurers. And I believe that you are going to be those men in years to come. I believe that you can be them now and you can be them in years to come as well. And so I just want to pray over us um, that that would be true. Is that right? I don't really care if it's all right or not. I'm going to pray anyway. So uh, why don't you just close your eyes where you are. Um, just because if you're like me, you'll probably get distracted if your eyes are open. Um, and I'm just going to pray a prayer. Uh, that actually what we've done this week and what we've talked about today will bear fruit as we've talked about and that we will be men, every single one of us in this room, who love Jesus more than we love anything else and we'll run hard for him. So ready, Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for the incredible week that we've had, all the memories that we've made. We thank you for all that you have done in our lives. I thank you for the young people in this room who have given their lives to follow you this week, Lord. We're so grateful for that. I thank you for those that you've healed from sickness, Lord. I thank you for those that you've drawn back who are wandering away, Lord. I thank you for those who have heard your voice for the first time. I thank you for those who have been convicted of sin in their lives and have repented and are now running hard for you. And Lord, I pray that this year would be a year that is full of you at work in our lives, Lord God. That we would be those who commit right now. We say, Jesus, we want to follow you more than we want to follow anything else. We want to love you more than we love anything else. We want to be men of integrity, men of honor. We want to be men that love our sisters in Christ with all that we can in a way that gives you glory and that brings uh, honor to your name. We want to be men that are risk takers, that go on an adventure with you. And so we pray, help us, Lord. Help us to love you. Help us every day to follow you. Help us to not get drawn into the lies of this world and get sucked into the, the fame and the popularity and the gals or help us to really run hard for you Lord God I pray we'd all come back next year on fire for you Jesus and we can celebrate that together I pray in your wonderful name Amen Amen Yeah Okay we would love if you want uh, prayer for anything we've talked about this morning 
Uh, then our orange t-shirts uh, t um, and us guys at the front, we're going to be...